Thanks for downloading our podcast. You can check out more of our episodes at facebook.com slash this house of cards podcast or on iTunes. Hello and welcome to This House of Cards podcast, an unofficial podcast for the Netflix hit show House of Cards. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with co-host Chris Husted. What's going on, everyone? What's going on, buddy? How uh, has your week been? <laughs> Pretty good. We're in the middle of Pudge Drop, so it's been a little busy and because uh, we have to volunteer to, to take the phones, uh, to take the pledges. But anyway, who is that little uh, cutie guest podcaster that was just on your lap? We do have a guest podcaster today, my Beagle Jack Russell mix, Barley. So she will be around, hopefully not barking and getting too involved in the podcast. Um, what are you drinking this evening? Anything? Yeah, I got a Heineken here, uh, leftover from uh, my, again, from my birthday uh, party where apparently we didn't drink anything. Oh, well, that's too bad. <sighs> <I'm>... <laughs> nah, a lot of people brought stuff over, so we, we still have a ton of beer. We, I guess we just did mostly liquor when, uh, when uh, we celebrated. But anyway, that's a good deal. I myself have a Madella here, um, basically prepping for summer, even though it's snowing outside. I wish it was warmer, so it's kind of Mexican beer is my hope that it heats up soon. Just like the show is heating up. Excellent transition there. Boom. Um, Obviously a lot going on, and as always, we appreciate your comments coming in on iTunes. And as always, you can like us on Facebook at This American Horror Story Podcast and leave your comments and questions there. Or email us at This Ameri- or sorry, this House of Cards Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we appreciate your questions and comments. But let's talk about this. Episode 5. Um, one thing I want to just start out and say, what do you think about the fact that each episode, there's like no time lapse at all between episodes? It's like each episode picks up exactly where the last one left off. What do you think about that? Right. that That's a good point, actually. I didn't really, really notice that. Uh, I, I think that's pretty cool. I, it, it makes sense with the way the whole season's presented at, at once. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it, it, it kind of, you know, you, a lot of people I've spoken with that like this show have watched it in almost one whole sitting. Right. So you could actually, and that's one of Netflix's goals maybe, that you can sit through and bang out the whole season in a weekend if you want. So I guess that makes sense for the way this is presented. It reminds I mean, the only other show I can think of that's like this is 24. Right. It would make the whole season, if you just sat down and watched it straight, I mean, it would make it feel more fluid, like one single episode. And that's probably, that is a good point. Like, probably because they put it all up there at once, they didn't want it to, you know... When you're watching a show from week to week, you know, time does pass, and so you feel it pass, you know, on the show as well. But here, since you could just watch it just one big chunk, so that's an interesting strategy, and I think it um, it also makes the show just interestingly more condensed, because it's like, I think that's probably why there's so many characters, because there's so much going on in, in a relatively short span of time, you know? I mean, obviously we have main characters right. we follow, but, you know, we jump back and forth a lot and everything. Um, so let's jump right into it. Obviously, we left last uh, episode with Zoe and Frank about to get it on, and we start this episode with them post-coital. Uh, so what we thought... They got it on. They sure did. And what we thought happened, happened. Um, and so we kind of saw, talked last time about how we think that, like, for Frank, this is probably a little bit of a thing of dominance. And I think we kind of see that come out when he talks in Cla- with, with Claire about it in this episode later on. Um, anything in particular you thought was interesting about this scene or their interactions? Um, just as a reminder, this is when 
she's talking about how Slugline was Politico a year and a half ago and how that Hammer Schmidt tweet about him calling her the C word is blowing up uh, with its hashtag Go Zoe, which was pretty damn cheesy. And yeah, and then he takes her phone and puts it into the water and pretty much destroys it. And he says he's going to yeah. start. He's kind of going to be her sugar daddy and start buying her phones, basically. Um, that was a little weird. What'd you What'd you pull from this scene? I, uh, uh, it makes sense for Zoe's character thus far to be that caught up in her how she's blowing up in the Twitter sphere. You know, she's really concerned about her rising celebrity status, um, but also what it can get her. And, you know, the the thing that I did like that she did in this uh, scene is she was looking ahead to um, what is the next Politico? What is the next um, uh, big new media journalism or uh, uh, format of journalism for politics? specifically politico's you know amazing they're on top of it there anyone would kill to work at politico that's in her world so the fact that she's looking at a a a different um organization that's up and coming is you know kind of interesting and smart on her part something that we haven't really seen her do yet right i mean she's she is forward thinking and she does uh, clearly she represents the new digital age of journalism between twitter between you know breaking stories and kind of making news happen herself versus, you know, Tom, the editor, who's kind of obviously the old school and suffers for it. Um, so I still kind of feel, though, and I mean, I, I realize I've been ragging on Zoe quite a bit recently, but I do feel like her character is more of an idea than a character, if that makes any sense. And I think maybe, yeah, maybe that's my maybe that's my problem is it's not necessarily it's not that I have a problem with. With her or anything like that. It's just more like I feel like just the way she's written is more about her standing for this idea of of journalism and stuff like that. More instead of being like a a real layered character because I don't get from her deep. I mean, obviously ambition, but I don't feel like there's. I don't feel much more to her than ambition right now. I mean, right? She is fairly. She's poorly written so far. Um, She's very one-dimensional. All we know is she's ambitious and is trying to sleep her way to better stories. We don't know any motivation of why she wants to do this outside of she wants to do this, you know. And that's something that, you know, hasn't been presented to us as viewers to get behind her or care enough about what she's doing. At this point, she's just a a Google search of journalism words and, and ideas. Right, exactly. She's an idea. And so, like, I we've been told in comments that people think we're a little bit hard on her so i understand that maybe we have been but i'm just explaining it a little bit more i have talked to some of my friends that love this show and have finished the whole season and they i asked them about what they thought journalism and non-journalism people and they had the same issues that we're having so i don't feel like we're alone in this that zoe's just not you know she's not a deep enough character for anyone to really care too much about her or her storyline I hope that changes in the second half of uh, the season, but we'll see. And that also makes me want to say, let us know what you guys think. I mean, do you love Zoe? Do you hate Zoe? Does, is she, do you think she's going to get better? Is she irritating to you? Um, you know, leave us comments and let us know, whether it's on iTunes or Facebook or whatever. Um, so now, let's talk about Frank arriving back home. Obviously, we're kind of having the exact same scene we had when Claire arrived home after being out with Adam and turning Adam down, except... We know what Frank did, and he actually... I guess it's the next morning, though. Um, right. But we know that Frank actually, obviously, went through with it. 
And so Claire asks, you know, she's making coffee and she says it was the reporter, wasn't it? Is it just this once? So obviously their marriage, they're not hiding anything from each other. It's all on the table. Um, this this is one of the most transparent um, marriages between partners that I've seen. They are so upfront with each other for the most part. True. You know? Right. And so remember she's like, who was it? Right. And so he says, she says it just this once and he says, I'm not sure. So she asks, what is this offer? Um, and he says that she's a mouthpiece. So it's all about end game for them. And so kind of my, my overall question for their relationship here that I wrote down that I want to ask you, is their marriage superficial in this way? Are they just like using each other or do you think it's deeper? Like it's a deeper partnership that this kind of superficial sex thing is not important to them. They're both a team working toward a goal. Cause it could be seen either way. I could, I could see. Yes, let me frame it one more time. I was just asking, so do you think that their marriage is superficial? Is it more like they're using each other, they're just each a means to an end? Or do you feel like their marriage is deeper in the sense that they're like a team and that, you know, arbitrary sex isn't a big deal. They realize that that's not anything. It doesn't come between their ultimate team bond where they're trying to together reach this ultimate goal of power or whatever. And they always come back to each other kind of thing. That's a good question. I don't really know yet. Um... And that's what I think is great about what this show's doing with their relationship. We don't actually have that figured out just yet. There's hints uh, and uh, moments that we catch, like the one in the kitchen where, you know, Claire says, "What's what? What will this do for us? Like, what can we get out of this?" Where it leads you to think, "Is this is this something they had arranged from the beginning with each other when they got married, or is this something that developed between them?" Or was this a partnership to begin with and not there's no true love there? But I, I think I, I do think there is love there as we see later in the episode as he comes to her rescue. Um Right. And I think like even like with her having him do the rowing machine too was like that was a sense of love, love kind of thing. I, I, I agree with you. It's hard to tell, but I lean toward that I think their marriage is deep. I, I mean, I, maybe this is just me wishful thinking, but I want to say that their marriage is deeper and that it's like they recognize that like sex is a tool for them to get certain things and it's not a big deal. And they feel like their, you know, co-determination for power and their partnership together is, is stronger and their love is kind of stronger than this other superficial outside stuff. So that's what right. I'm leaning towards saying. Um, but it's, it's true. It's hard to tell. And I think that their relationship, their kind of the complexities of the relationship is the most interesting dynamic between any two characters we have on the show thus far. Definitely. That relationship's pretty awesome to uh, try to decipher. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit now about um, Marty Spinella. Uh, Spinella? Spinelli? He's the... We see a lot of him this episode. He's the head of the teachers' union. I, have we seen him before this episode? I don't think so. I, I Unless we saw him last episode when he was... Um, involved with the the education or yeah the education bill when they were behind closed doors yeah he might have been the guy that was getting angry about you know frank having to leave in the first place but he didn't play that big a role then we don't even think we knew his name but now we do and he's pissed because of i guess frank put collective or took out collective is it he put collective bargaining in the bill when he said he wouldn't or is it the other way around something to do with collective bargaining where i mean obviously some way he's hurting the teachers collective bargaining rights basically i don't know if it's He's putting something that makes it so they can't or whatever. But Marty's pissed about it because they didn't talk about it. The guy kind of throws a tantrum. And, like, it kind of doesn't... We don't really see people lose their cool like this that much. Uh, Certainly not Frank loses cool ever. But this guy goes in the whole, you fuck me, I fuck back 
is I think the line he says. Right. It just kind of makes me think, like, when you lose your cool, Frank uh, just looks so much smoother than you. And it kind of was like, I felt like you just had a feeling with that dynamic that Frank's going to get you in the end. Right. I, I was excited, though. I thought we were finally getting a worthy adversary uh, for Frank, but... And somewhat. I mean, it was the dynamic. I mean, it was better than that Oren guy back in South Carolina who was clearly outmatched. Right. So this was this was closer. Um, you know, they kind of played back and forth a logic a little bit. So someone will eventually come to Frank's level, or I'm sure we'll get that eventually. But then we see, obviously, this uh, Democratic National Committee meeting he has to go to. And they're talking about how, for the next election, they need to secure Ohio, Florida, and Pennsylvania. What does that sound like? Um and Patricia Whitaker, who's the DNC chair, who Frank actually really likes, he says that she's one of the only competent ones in Washington. She, mm-hmm. Competence is such an exotic bird in these woods, he says. So I, I have a feeling she'll be back. She's one of our few people he likes that is competent. And actually, we see a lot of really strong... Let's Okay, pause for a minute to just say, we see a lot of really strong female characters in this show. Absolutely, between yeah. Claire and her way, between Zoe, between um, everybody Catherine. from the woman... Yeah, I was going to say the Catherine who becomes Secretary of State to this Patricia Whitaker. There's a lot of different types of strong women. And oh, Linda, too, who's the chief of staff. That's right. There's a lot yeah. of strong women represented in the show. And even um, Gill- or Jillian, who works for Claire, right. too. They're used. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think it's... Uh... I think it's good, and it's definitely uh, something that needs to happen in a show like this where we're talking about leadership and washington but my only <laughs> the the a lot of a lot of the men are written a lot better than the women i think in this which is kind of starting to wear on me as was zoe's character but also claire we're still not like deep enough into her that where i'd like to be where where we are with russo and uh frank we know a lot I know about what you these mean. guys yeah but, and claire's getting there but and, and zoe is nowhere near that um there are strong yeah. women, and I like that, but and I, I don't know. I, I think they need but a But not necessarily deep. You're yes. right. We haven't really seen their flaws as deeply as we've seen Frank's, as we've especially seen Rousseau's. Um, Claire, I feel like you're right. She's. I feel like there's a lot we have to learn about her. She's a lot of um, like trying to interpret her looks, I feel like. you know, the, mm-hmm. She's a lot of expressions. Robin Wright's great at that. Quite expression. And she is, like, she's a great actress, mm-hmm. an incredible actress. But it's like a lot of trying to infer what she means by a, a look or a, you know, she's great. a movement or something. Yeah, or like a few choice words, like what's behind her words kind of thing. Right, because she's such a calculated woman. Yet we mm-hmm. don't know, you know, what is she calculating for? What is her end game besides power? Exactly, and we're not sure about what that is yet. And I guess that's probably what makes her a relationship complex, too. Mm-hmm. But okay, sorry. Back to this Patricia Whitaker. Frank likes her, um, and they're trying to debate, basically, who should be uh, governor of Pennsylvania, because they need Pennsylvania for the ticket, because I guess vice presidential candidate would have been good, because he's for, or the person who is the vice president would have been good, because he's from Pennsylvania, but now he's vice president. So Rousseau's name comes up, and she just kind of dismisses him immediately. Right, but you kind of see this look in Frank's eye, like, hmm. Oh, I can see I a plan love this shot. You see Frank, uh, and you just see the wheels turning at the end of the table in in his head, and it's so fun because you know in his mind he's just strategizing uh, in the moment. Like we're seeing how he's kind of figuring out how this could work to his benefit. 
uh, as a reaction to the situation he's in that he didn't even want to go to, but he had to do it. Um, I thought he's, that was really cool. I, I got goosebumps during that. That was so cool. He's got a little half smile, and that's just one of those another great Kevin Spacey moment too, where it's like so much from expression, and like he he legitimately looked like he was having those ideas right then, and it was. And we were excited, there. you know. So super cool. We were with yeah, him. Yeah. Um. So that was really cool, and obviously he's going to use this to, uh, leverage later, and you kind of that was kind of foreshadowed a little bit, obviously. Um. Let's talk for a minute about uh, Zoe's kind of going around and um, interviewing at different places. She goes to this slugline place. Um, I don't. She didn't go there last episode, right? This is the first time she. she I goes think this is the talks. first time, yeah. Right, and so actually, there's another strongman character is the editor of Slugline here. Right. And well, um, let, let's call this an editor in quotation marks because clearly she doesn't edit there. Exactly. You can post exactly. whatever you want. And this is supposed to be. Like, it's kind of ridiculous how this office is set up. It's like beanbags. It was <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> and, like, cushions on the floor. And, like, people are just, like, sprawled everywhere. And she's like... And jeans. I get, people get bored every eight minutes. So you got to keep me interested. And, <laughs> I, I, it, they're kind of playing up the whole, like... Blogging. Having no attention yeah. span kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, then, like I said, the journalism aspects of this show, I think, are just very idealistic kind of... I, I mean... It, 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 I don't know. I kind of wish they had consulted maybe someone. Because, sure, there are edgy political blogs out there. But they I'm pretty sure they don't look like that. Exactly. I think that, I mean, it, it just seemed a little extreme. and I, But, like, I, I like what they're trying to convey with it, obviously, as a in juxtaposition to, you know, the Herald. Mm-hmm. Which, right. like, speaking of the Herald... Um, we see Tom's moment here where he is at the owner's house and, you know, the legal department is in the office. So, you know, something is going to happen. I mean, you kind of get the uneasy feeling something's going to happen to him then. Um, and we basically, you know, he won't apologize for what he said. He stands by it and he says that he knows how to run a paper, but not with a staff. He can't control. He thinks Zoe was out of control, which... I don't know if she was really that out of control. We talked about this last time, how he may have overreacted a little bit. He definitely overreacted, yeah. I mean, she was... And how it was, like... Arrogant, but he overreacted to her turning the, the job down, you know? And, and he was pissed about the way she turned it down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he gives us, like, a whole diatribe about how Twitter blogs and enriched media are a fad, and core readership thirsts for hard news. That's which, so ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. That, like, I mean, even... Old newspaper people don't think that way. Well, maybe one of our <laughs> one of our alumni listserv uh, contributors thinks that way, but that is like a point zero one percent of journalism thinks that way. I don't, and I don't like I don't know how he was an editor of a paper for that long with that stale of thinking, yeah. like being so close minded. And like, yeah, even if it is a fad, though, sometimes obviously in any business you have to evolve and entertain the fad to stay afloat during that time period. So. I felt like that he... Tom's stupid. He's very unrealistic. Yeah, he should have been out years ago, it sounds like. Yeah, so she was absolutely... I think she was... The boss was 100% right in firing him. He saw it was coming. He didn't seem too pissed about it. But, like, I think rightfully so, because he was not in a position to run a a paper in the modern-day world. You know, you have to be flexible. Right. You can't be like that. You can't just march forward to the same drum you've been marching forward to since the 70s or whatever, you know? I mean, what do you think? Any comments on that scene and Tom and No, Neil? I mean, that I knew something. He was going to get fired, so it was 
as as it should be and his conversation was or his his speech on it was pretty so antiquated that it, it, like i said he should have been out years ago probably at least as managing yeah. editor he should have been something else right exactly evolve or die and he yeah darwinism and he man and he did let's talk about russo for a couple minutes we see different kind of clips of him in the beginning here of him kind of like descending downhill um we see him you know he goes and talks to christina and it, clearly she wants him to apologize i think he thanks her right um he says thank you but right. it, 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 it doesn't really make an effort to get her back it's like he's kind mm-hmm. of giving up um, yeah. We see his old friend from the shipyard getting really pissed at him. Right. For not I love that him. scene because we get to know Rousseau's background. We've, we we get do. To get to know how he yeah. got here and who he was. And it does seem like he really did care about the people there. I mean, obviously he did because he really like hits rock bottom. Well, I think he hits rock bottom in this episode. I'm pretty sure it's but, rock bottom, yeah. Yeah, but he just uh gets railed on by his friend and he you know he can't tell he can't tell him the truth that he was right. he tries to say it was politics but he can't say any more than that he's just in he's in a rock and a hard place and it makes him feel terrible right and this guy hates him and all his friends hate him now and he gets all these hate emails and all these emails about how how am i going to pay for this and that for my kids and i can't put food on the table and it just makes him we see the scene where he tries to write an email back and to, he's yeah. like and he's doing cocaine off the knife there and he's like the letter opener yeah yeah oh the letter opener yeah he's just like so descending and crumbling it's so telling of who he is as a character though we get to see you know the interaction with his buddy that shows up you know we russo was a blue collar guy from the neighborhood everyone knew him he you know he was a tough guy but he had ambition obviously he wanted to help everyone out and make uh change uh, and, and learning just that tidbit about him made me like him so much more. Um, I know. And that, that definitely will play into, I think, later on down the road as we see as Frank's trying to get him into uh, the governor's race. I, I can, mm-hmm. you know, I, well, I'm jumping ahead, but they're, they're definitely going to come to a head knowing that this is Rousseau's background. Right, right. I thought that was a great scene, seeing him kind of come, you know, the layers of him as a character. And, you know, when the kids were asking about Christina and he had to tell the kids that they... Yeah, she wasn't coming around anymore, and that Mm -hmm. hurt him too. But I thought one of the most—I thought it was also just a great scene when he was just by himself. That email scene—I know we're jumping ahead here, but we can kind of put his story all together until we get to the very end part. Yeah, Um, the scene where he's doing—he's doing cocaine, and he's like—he's drinking too, and he's just like clearly—he's doing blow in his office, by the way, too, which is outrageous. Right. Well, because everyone's at the gala, so he knows he doesn't really have to worry about seeing anybody. He's just feeling like absolute shit right now. And he's replying to these emails, and he wants to be a good person. He sends, he starts typing out this email about how, like, I'm actually a good person, I promise. I just wasn't able to do anything about it this time. And, it like, the camera zooms in on this time. And you have him thinking, like, have I ever done anything for these people? Where is my backbone when I, as a politician? And he just hates himself for it. Right, you and really see so his palpable. inner struggle in that email. Man, I've I've grown to like Rousseau exponentially, like, every Me too. episode, I feel like. I. You're really rude. I thought him. he was, yeah. And I thought that was really well acted, part two. And yeah, he's great. Kind of like really representative of. I, I mean, obviously, we'll see him on Frank's doorstep in a couple scenes here. But I, yeah, I just love that. I thought that whole part. Was yeah, awesome. props to uh, Corey Stoll, the actor. He's he's doing a very good job with that role. Great job. 
Great job. Okay. And to the writers. So, it was he's a pretty he's the most fleshed out character we have on the show so far. And we've seen a, yeah, like we've seen more layers of him than anybody else, really. I I would agree with that. And for so and for the benefit of the show. I mean, he's really helping the show. Mhm. I absolutely. Um but now let's talk about the go back to kind of the teacher strike and kind of the main plot line in this episode. We have um Frank and Doug are trying to um counterbalance it by calling all the teachers unions and kind of getting one step ahead of Spinella or whatever his name is. Um Claire shows up and is talking to Frank about how, you know, there's not enough get like they're not getting as much money from the gala yet as he promised, so he needs to keep calling people. And she's still kind of I mean, we see a little bit of her still being pissed at him for the whole Sandcorp money. Not taking the money from Sandcorp. So she's pissed about Sandcorp, and obviously he's with... And with the, uh, Zoe. Zoe, yeah. when when she kind of, you know, didn't go with Adam. So she has a couple things to be pissed at him. So we see her call Adam and leave him a voicemail. Because he's mm-hmm. taking his phone up and like... So we kind of see every time... This kind of becomes a pattern now, that every time she, like, is questioning Frank or angry at Frank, like... She goes to Adam, and it's still kind of unclear about, like, whether Adam's a comforting presence or whether he's a revenge idea. She kind of backs off of it every time. Um, yeah. As we see later, too. But she's kind of who he gravitates toward. Um, but, it, you know, they're organizing, and in the meantime, Spinella is sending teachers to, you know, he's, he's going to get all these teachers to Washington. Um and it wants them there as soon as possible, and they're going to get like this. He organizes huge protest, but Frank's gotten one step ahead of him and has gotten one of the unions to pull out. And you know he knows that if one union pulls out, then other unions pull out. They won't look like a cohesive body. So Spinella gets super pissed and like breaks his phone and everything like that. So they're playing like this very intense, fast, quick chess game. And that's why I liked kind of this Spinella guy as an opponent is because he was quick thinking too and we saw a little I bit agree. more yes instead of frank having like this huge plan that was like um you're just waiting for things to kind of fall into place and like overwhelm you know his opponent it was very much like they both had to be on their feet thinking and there was times when you thought that like frank might, might be getting fucked over because this guy was one step ahead of him but you know it went so like for instance Let's talk about the hotel where, you know, he goes to the hotel and the hotel won't, doesn't want the, like says they they can't allow the gala anymore because all the union workers will walk out of the hotel. And this is basically that Marty, Marty Spinella's work and has gotten, has talked to the hotel manager about like making sure it doesn't go on there. And Frank gets super pissed at this guy and says, I'm going to make sure no one ever has a gala here again. And they go out and decide that they're going to have the gala instead on the front steps of the hotel. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. But, hey, they're trying to make a point. They are trying to make a point. And um, I thought it was kind of quite the point when, like, Doug is talking to the, uh, they have the, the scene where, like, the the hotel manager comes out to, like, say something as they're starting to put things in, like, Doug's like, oh, you want to talk to the police commissioner? I'm dialing him right now. He's coming to the gala tonight. Are you here on your friends? So it's like. That was cool. But such an asshole they always, move. They they're gonna be in like we have the power assholes. But I don't. I want to know more about him. I kind of like that little Tony. Yeah. Doug what, what do you think his story is? Do you think he's just like one of uh, you know he's been with Frank for so long? He's just one of those loyal guys that stuck with him as his advisor and or his chief of staff forever. Or you know I don't know. It would be interesting to flesh him out. What do you think his deal is? 
I think he's ambitious, and I think he knows Frank well. He's been with Frank a long time and recognizes that Frank is, like, a visionary as far as, like, power moves and is able to build this house of cards. And he's in some ways kind of riding Frank's coattails because he knows it's a way – it's just a line of power. Just kind of like how when earlier when, like, he went to go pay off Rousseau's hooker and he also gave the extra money for himself. That was just – I think that was kind of illustrating how, like, you know, doing the dirty work, he gets into it. And it's like – Right. He knows that the, it will lead to things for him. He's a good right-hand man for, for Frank, yeah. definitely. They're a good match. He's a, he's a good right-hand man. And we also see them, you know, discussing wanting, you know, putting Russo as the governor for Pennsylvania. We, we Kind of within all this, they have that scene, and they talk about how they're going to use his troubled past as an asset. So it'll be interesting to see how that continues to play out as we go on. But, <clears throat> so, uh, they're going to have this picnic-style gal on the front steps. It's going to be catered by Freddy's Barbecue. Which sounds fantastic. I kind of want some ribs from Freddy's Barbecue. Um, Freddy going to get all together a lot of food real quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God. and Because it seems like he's the only person that works in that place, too. So how yeah. the hell did he make that much food <laughs> that fast? <laughs> Pretty impressive, Freddy. I hope they Pretty impressive. I, I hope they paid him real well um, for the last minute like that. But, you know, Frank is arranging all these TVs there because they want it to be a big event and pretty much insult the, you know... <clears throat> Make the hotel look bad. And um, Frank also invites Zoe to the gala, which kind of surprised me how, you know, he would... It's obviously Claire's event, but I don't know if this is Frank being ignorant about Claire, like, kind of being perturbed by that a little bit, or if he just, like, he doesn't care and he just kind of wants her to get over it and realize that this is just a tool. She's just, that it's always just a tool, you know? What did you think? I did not understand her presence there at all, really. Um, you know, when... I well, I guess we could. Should we go back real quick and talk about the fact that he has how they how they're trusting each other now with the nude photos that he takes of her. Oh like, man, I might did I skip I skipped over that whole part. Yeah, so yeah. walk us through that. Sorry, I well, I heard, that was at the very that was obviously that we have to have something on each other, and she <laughs> she suggests uh, taking uh, photos of he, he take photos of her naked. Uh, uh, as his as his backup, so he has something over her. So she takes her sweatshirt off, and he's like, "I'm gonna need more than that." <laughs> yeah. And uh, so she takes uh, her pants off and then lies down on the bed, and he says, "Get creative" to her. So I'm sure there's some very X-rated photos on his phone now, which is also not good for him. I don't understand why that would. be I was the gonna best, say best so for him it's... to have something over her. Um. But also, I don't know, so that's supposed to instate trust between the two. But what bothered me about it a little bit is I felt like that's something, like, Zoe's, like, in in the class of Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian now. Like, I feel like she'd be stoked if her sex tape or nude photos got out because that would just cause her celebrity to rise even higher and she'd get better jobs. Um, I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, she's kind of, like... I don't know if she's supposed to. I know. I don't know if she and Frank are supposed to be, like, in the sense, well, at least her. I don't know if her character's supposed to be, like, she will literally do anything for power now. Like, it doesn't matter to her anymore, whether it's, you know, whether it's sex, whether it's, you know, violating journalistic ethics, um, whether it's, you know, quoting sources that aren't you know whatever yeah it, it seems like her, all her morals and ethics like 
she doesn't live. She, I, don't, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out like what rules or guidelines they're like she's living by right now. And that's like, I guess that's kind of what we're talking about when, when we're talking about her as kind of a flat character a little bit. Is like it just doesn't make sense. Her, yet. It's flat. Her motivation is just like unbridled. It doesn't like her ambition doesn't have. We don't know what her. Just she wants to be the most famous journalist she can be. Right. She remember whatever, whatever she, the cost. When she was talking about um, entertaining different job offers, she talked about doing TV. And Frank's like, no. Like, you know. and Which is yeah. what TV is what a lot of younger journalists want to do when they only actually want to be famous instead of tell, you know, do good journalism and tell groundbreaking stories and, and important stories. So that's in tune with her character, I guess. But like you said, the motivations behind anything that she's doing is so unclear to the audience there's no even mm. hint of it, really. Like, who are we? Don't we haven't seen a friend in interaction with anyone besides her at her newspaper or her at um, with Frank? That's it, right? Nothing giving well, us guess, insight. Well, and I mean, I get well. Okay, we, that's not true. We do see one little insight into her character, and this is when she's talking to the editor. Well, the editor again in quotes of Slugline, and she oh, just right. wrote that post, and she's saying like. Should I post this? And the editor's like, you can post it whatever you want. I'm not going to edit it. You you edit it till the degree that you're happy with it. And then you post. That's insane, we see, by the way. That is <clears throat> insane. Yeah, that's... That for, doesn't happen. For, like, for political stories in D.C. especially, that's like... Yeah, that is libel for a lawsuit. happen. You're asking for a lawsuit kind of thing, pretty much. But what I want to say is, you know, um, <clears throat> she decides that her story isn't good enough and that she wants... But like... This is I didn't understand this. Like, okay, she says it's a boring story, and she can do better. But why not just still post that story and then go do a better one instead of like not posting it at all? You know, I right. It's still a story you need to report. Is she supposed to be sweetheart? Is she is she still a, is she a perfectionist? Is that what we're supposed to be trying to find out about her? Is that she's just like right? Well, that's what I mean, brings me to to when she shows up at the party. Frank invites her, and they they and like she runs up to him wearing the same dress she wore the the, the night that. Uh, they looked at each other <laughs> at the <clears throat> opera or whatever it was, and um, he, you know, she's like, "Okay, like, you know, what do I do?" And she, she, well, first of all, she goes up to the the protesters outside that Spinelli or or what, whomever Spinella, yeah. Um, so let's let's go ahead and say the pro Spinella basically has these protesters show up immediately to be across from the banquet to kind of ruin the banquet, but they're not even necessarily all teachers. He just wanted to find people. To carry picket signs, so they're not Apparently necessarily really teachers people. Either. Yeah, um, and so Zoe, you're right. Zoe kind of is wearing that white dress again, and she kind of goes up and tries to talk to the protesters, and really doesn't get much from them before she goes yeah. inside. She doesn't even anyway, care so he, enough, I think. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, but yeah, so, so can, she she goes in and she sees Frank, and they they talk for a second, and she's like, "What's going on? Is this a story you wanted me to cover?" And he says something like, "That's the story that everyone's covering out there." You know that you're rubbing elbows right now with some of the most important people, you know, on the hill. You need to get right. the story here, and then uh, and then Claire comes by and they, you know, say hello again. It's a little awkward. Well, well that's what I was going to say. Awkward exchange here. What did you think between uh, Claire and Zoe? Kind of cordial. I, I think it was. I mean, that's kind of what I've expected. Claire, with Claire well, being Claire, in the know. Claire plays it cool. I mean, yeah, she's, she's very cool. Yeah, she knows what's uh, up. But I, you can see it was still awkward, obviously. Um, okay, you know, partly maybe why I rag on Zoe so much is because I like Claire as a character, as a female character. I like Claire so much better. I she's think. a lot stronger. Like, yeah. She's a lot. She just seems stronger and smarter. And oh. 
whatever. But so, uh, maybe that's why. And so, yeah, Zoe's snooping around inside the banquet, like listening. But not, I sh- we don't see her talk to anyone. She just kind of hangs out, and then I don't, I don't know. Well, to wrap up her storyline, uh, when Claire and uh, Frank are in a limo or in the car on the way home, Claire brings up the the posting that Zoe did uh, from that from the gala. Yes. And yeah, oh, she, yeah, she like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, she is a good writer. Then we get a quick shot of what the story was about. And she did report on the protesters. I was like, what was, I, that didn't make yeah. sense to me. Yeah, I yeah. she wasn't Clean supposed to report on the protesters. Unions. Right, she didn't end up getting anything. Yeah, I agree with you. That like, that was weird. I don't, she, she yeah, it didn't she, make sense for her she, to be there. It didn't make sense for her to be there. And, like, I would have thought we, like, after Frank said that to her, I would have thought we would have had some scene where she, like, overhears something yes, important. Yes, that's what I was expecting, too. Exactly. But we didn't get that. So that was very strange that they had her go there. Right. Um, so that's the whole Zoe thing. Now, in the meantime, we have Claire and Adam. Adam, the photographer, we, we do see, again, we saw him, you know, not answer the phone, shows up at uh, the gala, and we see him in... Claire whispering again, and again he he says, "Oh, I'm I'm so glad you called," kind of thing. And she's like, "Oh, I shouldn't have called." So she's kind of like, "Yeah, she's such a tease." She's kind of, she's she's being a tease, but like you can see that she's clearly struggling in turmoil because like because like Frank has now done good things again. You know, he redeemed himself by having like getting this gala that's beautiful and awesome, and having all the, you know Freddie had the food, and he's just made sixty thousand dollars on keg duty by uh, sweet talking that that couple that they'd had over to dinner recently who they keep pulling more money more and more money out of the same couple they must i want to know what they do that they are so rich do you remember i no i don't remember but yeah they do keep pulling money out of them um so it's kind of like frank redeems himself she's okay with him she doesn't want adam anymore frank um does something or like you know does something that pisses her off she gravitates back toward adam right she does i mean you could tell uh when they were trying to figure out the solution to this gala being um, locked out of the hotel, he she does remember she says to him something along the lines of, you know, your 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 job needs to stop impacting my what I do. Yeah, like it's happening way too much. Mm-hmm. She wants to be independent. To, I don't, she doesn't want to. I think one thing that we want to see is she doesn't want to be. She doesn't like to be dominated by Frank or like. Maybe that's what Frank gets out of Zoe. He doesn't get out of Claire. Is like Claire is not someone to be dominated, and she she gets pissed off and she gravitates toward Adam when Frank tries to do that to her in any way. Whereas Zoe, you kind of see like with the new pictures, like he kind of gets a kick out of. It's it's amusing the way he kind of has a power has over power. her. Yeah, totally right. Whereas Claire's not going to give that to him. Um, and I think she gets pissed off when he tries to do that. She sees them as equals, right? And so when when he tries to you know tell her what to do it right. turns her off so i didn't really catch it but adam says something to her is it does he invite her to his hotel room or what what was happening there the la- their last interaction when he whispers in her ear uh i think he just says that like call me again sometime oh, okay. or something like that just like we need to talk again she says yeah i'll talk to you when at like at a better time so right. i think we will see him again if especially if there's tension between frank right. and i wish i could have rewound and listened to it yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the awesome way Frank and Claire break the protest by bringing out Freddie's ribs to the protesters and saying, "Who's hungry?" That was funny. And Spin- that was so, that Spin- so nice like, of them. 
and he's like, That's "Don't take the food." People. And all you see the, the first one is that woman is like, "I'll take the food." And yeah, God, that was so easy. <laughs> uh, and Claire just tries to rub it in by bringing the ribs right after, and he's like, "You can take a rib, can't you, Marty?" You can yeah, take that a was rib. great. <laughs> you just see him. He just want to be like. In his eyes, you can just see him to be like, go to hell, Claire. And he just kind of stomps off. So, finally, they break him. Yeah. Claire's good. When she was trying to drag him in, too. Like, come on. Come on in, Marty. Come on. Oh, I know. I was like, oh, my God. She almost had him going in. So smooth. So smooth. That's what makes their, like, they're a perfect couple. They are a good team. Are made for each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then you see him even bring out a beer cake, I think, to the oh people my God, on the street. Yeah. I'm pretty it, sure they care. So what did you think about that? You know, how the protesters were broken like that. Yeah. And I, I was wondering why the hell, like, okay, they've been there for a while, but it seemed like they were homeless people that were starving or something the way that they yeah, were, like, Yeah, they made themselves look cave. so ridiculous. <laughs> so was that supposed to show that there was, like, no actual teachers there pretty much because there was, like, nobody who really cared about the issue as much? And so, like, obviously the food is more important to them. And the, that's kind of what I thought they were supposed to be inferring right there. Yeah. There wasn't actually teachers. I, I, so it could be that. that it much. could be that because it was obviously last minute. Or it could be a little commentary on how easily Americans are swayed by a free meal. I don't know. That, that protesters aren't that strong or people who are behind their cause don't always fight that strong for whatever they believe in. Like, remember Frank uh, talked to the one protester guy in episode two or three he's like you do not matter no one hears you or something like that oh yeah yeah that weird scene we were talking about when it was yeah Yeah, exactly when that guy was like handcuffed to the phone pole or whatever right exactly uh so i don't know it's interesting but also kind of annoying (laughs) yeah but i but we haven't necessarily seen the end of him yet because he does he then he goes back and he says we're gonna pull the trigger and have everyone in washington tomorrow they're still going to march what that is yeah so that's so that's what's coming next week. I think that's kind of our preview for next week. Um, so we haven't seen the end of him yet. Right now, so we talk. So you know, we talked a little bit about Frank and Claire celebrating. They see the clean water article. They get home, and Russo's on their doorstep. He's, I mean, faded, totally fucked up. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know he's been at the office, you know, snorting coke and drinking for the past however long. I'm surprised he was able to make it as far as Frank's house. Because he seemed pretty out of it back then. Um, of course, Claire is super sweet to him. They take him inside. She makes him a sandwich. Insists on him having a sandwich. She's really she's like, she's good. She's she knows what she knows what's going on, and she's like going to overwhelm him with kindness. She's good at being like passive aggressively kind. You know what I mean? It's um, a good weapon that they, she has. They insist on him staying the night. They put him in the bedroom, and of course, once once Frank and Rousseau alone is when Rousseau, we, you know, finally hits that ultimate breakdown where he starts crying and he says, you fucked me. And, you know, the ship yard, I've lost all my friends. I have nothing left. And I wasn't sure how Frank was going to react to this. You know, well, he's kind of staying stoic through it. Right. Exactly. He kind of, yeah, he was, he was kind of frozen against the wall, just taking this in. It, it almost looked like he didn't know what to do at first. He's kind of trying to figure out and calculate how do I handle this situation. Um, right, and so this is what I want to I, I want to say real quickly. I don't think that Frank was being super cold here because I felt like I could see in him then that, like, he was considering sympathy. That was actually a thought that went through his head. He actually, I think he did feel bad for Rousseau. Right. But he was considering sympathy 
he was like in his head you're right he was thinking through he needed to think through how to handle it because he knew he had to be strategic here so i think that's how he came to the bathtub plan and everything is he was thinking it through very carefully yeah this before we finish up the sequence this sequence is i think hands down the best part of the episode yeah oh it's their interaction's great and well it's our two pretty much favorite characters yeah that's true Yeah, I mean, um, Rousseau's hands the, down the best storyline that we have so far. You know, he's caught between his ambition of being something good, which um, um, Frank had talked to, to uh, Doug about tapping into for Rousseau to get him to want to do this governor's race. But he's also trapped by his loyalty to his people because he's, you know, the neighborhood guide from down the street that, you know, worked with the shipyard people. So when he cries, like I was yeah. actually getting a little like, oh man, this guy's so broken right now. Um, oh yeah. And yeah. Frank is actually getting to witness the fallout of something that he's done. You know, he actually right, which he hasn't seeing what happens to these people that he's kind of cast to the side. All he's really seen, I think, so far is just people getting mad at him, saying like, "F you, yeah. Frank! Look what you did! You lied to me!" But not seeing you know the behind the scenes when they go home and like probably cry or are really. Torn he up hasn't seen and... himself really break somebody that like, and it's. I mean, it's not like Rousseau ever tried to do anything to him really either, which makes it even worse. You know what I mean? He just knew that Rousseau was an easy pawn because he had you know the hookers and all that stuff on his record to use against him, basically right. he had leverage against him. And the and other so... oh well, I say the other reason I thought that he was actually feeling something when he seen Rousseau break down was. When he's staring at something for a while, I was really anticipating an aside to the camera about like, you know, oh, this poor sap and, you know, this is what That's I'm going to have to do. Here's my plan. But he didn't do that. So I was I was kind of like, oh, man, he must be kind of really trying to figure this out or he must be actually sympathizing for this guy. That's a great point, because I feel like when we see Frank's like asides a lot, it's like it's kind of it's like in some ways it's his like two facedness. It's like. I'm going to be kind of like when he was up on the podium at the church. You know, it's like I'm going to be, you know, really sad about this girl, and then I'm going to turn to the camera and talk about what a great, you know, I didn't even right. really like my father. I'm just using this for my advantage. Right. It's but always coupled like he, with an eye roll, like uh, boy. right. And he didn't really do that too much in this episode, but especially here at the end, I agree. It was telling that like we had this kind of moment of silence where he normally would have gone to that, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think that was because he was feeling real emotion here, and it wasn't like he was being puppet master necessarily. He was, I mean, he was still being strategic and everything, but I think he was it seemed like it was resonating with him more. Exactly. And I think that is, that's a good point. A really good point. I think it's representative. So what he ends up coming to the conclusion of is he, you know, are you finished? Yeah. Are you done? He gets, he kind of comes up and with a sassy attitude and takes him into the bathroom. And it's kind of awkward when he's like, Take your take off your take your clothes off. Yeah, because it's kind of a power play there, you know. It's, it's it as if he didn't demean, he didn't see that Russo demeaned enough with a man lying on the ground crying in front of him. Right. You know, I was starting. Uh, makes I, him get. I was gonna say it looked like he was getting into some tough love, and I I was starting to get the vibe of almost a paternal relationship here. Like I'm going to teach you something mm-hmm. here, son. So he puts him in, in, until, I mean, he pulls out the razor blade. So he, well, he pulls out the razor blade yeah. and says... That's the best... Re- well, no, the best, this is so, done so well. Like, he's like, get in the bath. So he's like, okay, he's going to help him sober up. He's giving him a bath. Then he gives him some aspirin. I was like, oh, that's so nice of him. He's going to give him the aspirin because he's hungover or something like that. And you, I think I really thought he was just going to be, like, taking care of him and trying to, like, kind of coddle him a little bit, but give him a good tough dad speech. And yet, yeah. what happens? What does he do? Well, okay, so first of all, he tells him about, he kind of says, like, 
well, it's too bad that you're being such a loser right now because we were going to consider you for the governor's race. I mean, uh, they were t- they brought your name up in the DNC meeting, and I'm the only one who believes in you. So, you know, I was going to bring your name up, but you know what you could do? And then he pulls out the razor and puts it on there, and he's like, you could just get, you could just end it right here. You could, the aspirin thins your blood. And he does that kind of cheesy line where he's yeah. like, and remember, slice down the tracks, not across the tracks. Or yeah. Whatever. Well, he does say, it's like, the warm water does one thing, the aspirin will thin your blood, and, uh, yeah, and then make sure it's a rookie mistake, cut cut yeah. uh, with the tracks, not against them. Yeah. And so he gives him the suicide option. And I, I remember, does he do an aside after this? Uh, I after don't he... remember, actually. He, he, he might, but I think at this point he kind of was certain that he was, like, it was a big gamble. I don't, I don't, I don't think he did, but he might have. I don't remember. I don't think um, he was going think... to. No, I don't think he did. I don't think he did, but I think this was a big game. Like, obviously, this is a big gamble, but I think he knew he was calculated enough in how he was choreographing this mm-hmm. that he knew that by like telling about the governor thing right before then, that he, there was no way that yeah. he, like is down and out as Rousseau was. That was going to be too, way too tempting, and he knew that Rousseau could probably that was that little carrot well, on could, a stick to pull him out of his funk. His funk, yep. Yeah, and maybe he's probably thinking, well, maybe I can do something about the shipyard when I'm governor or something yeah. like that. You know, like. He's tickling people's ambition there. And so that was just, the, you're right, the choreography of that where it seemed like he was helping him sober up and then like sets him up to kill himself. Yeah, when he sets that razor down, I was like, damn. Oh, that was hardcore. That was an awesome scene. Awesome well acted scene. by both of them. So good. Was, well oh. done. Mm-hmm. And what happens? The next he wakes morning, up in the morning and gets coffee. Russo comes out in his clothes to get his coffee. And on the way to work, Frank says, you got to promise to be sober for one month. And... Russo says, oh, I can give you that. But you just see Russo look like a new, like, life ambition fight. Mm-hmm. Like, a new edge is almost, like, glowing in his eyes as he's looking at the Like, a hunger that we didn't really see before. A political ambition. Because he didn't really seem to have political ambition before. I kind of feel like. Right. You know, he was just, like, a party guy. We didn't really. Because we even said, like, why is he really in politics? Right. Well, Frank, Frank mentioned, he said he, ha- he has to have something because, you know, he's a congressman. He got out of wherever he was to do something so he does have aspirations he just needed to find them again and tap into it and he did and mm-hmm. he did and like you can see you can totally see it in Rousseau's eyes when they're driving like yeah well he's looking at when he says that, he's like i can give you that and frank goes you know you know you're not doing it for me you're doing it for you he and he's like and then he and then he gives the aside he's like do you think the seed is planted yet and then you're yeah, right I, the, the look on Rousseau's face as he's staring out the window just thinking dreaming Oh, it was great. Great look. Absolutely great look. Awesome episode. So, I don't know. I I thought this was a great episode. Right. Um, well, overall, I mean, because, but even though Frank manipulates, manipulates him, I do have a feeling, now that we know Rousseau's background, and I mentioned this earlier, that down the line, they are definitely going to come to a head, you know? And Rousseau, because he was so torn up about how he couldn't stand up for the shipyard, it's going to, I mean, that's just going to build inside of him, and then... I don't know mm-hmm. if Russo will get something on Frank and we'll have the power play later on or something is totally going to happen. I just can't wait to see what it I, is. I agree. Well, it looks like what, what it's probably going to be is he's lit, like Frank's lit a fire in him and the fire is going to ultimately probably end up consuming Frank in the end because of how he went about doing yep. it, you know? Um, so we do see, I mean, we see Frank run into some confrontation here. Um, obviously, he's got that, you know, Marty on one side, but I'm even talking like Claire and Russo a little bit and... Yeah, he kind of manhandles them. I mean, but we see conflict between him and Claire, and I think that'll continue to grow. They're like, I think it bugs 
her that he's with Zoe, and I think that she is eventually. I mean, the thing with her and Adam isn't over. And then, like you said, I'm interested to see how Rousseau bounces back a little bit. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, it was a good episode. Um, yeah, what do you get? a lot it? I liked about it. Last, I think, last week, I think we did 3.5. We felt like it was kind of a lot of posturing for this episode a little bit. I would give this one... I would give it a 4. Um, I didn't like... Zoe. There was a couple things that didn't make sense, I think. <laughs> well... And that wasn't even her fault, but, like, what she was doing didn't make that much sense in the middle there and stuff. Like, her character just didn't make sense that much in this episode. And so that's the part that bugged me. But, like, I loved the, like, the really fast game of chess between Marty and Frank. I loved Rousseau. That scene with Frank and Rousseau was just fantastic. And that definitely made up for those things. Um, what do you think? Do you think? I, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I think... Um, Frank Frank's head-to-head battle with the uh, um, with the teachers union Mark, guy Marty. was so fun and so fast-paced and, and it, it made it exciting because um, mm-hmm. it was one power play after the other and each one was trying to think ahead and it was great um, mm-hmm. and then the I, I probably would but then bringing it down I'm sorry was um, Zoe's lo- uh, storyline just because I have no idea why this girl's doing what she's doing and it's okay to have some mystery. But at this point, five episodes in, we're almost halfway through the season. We need to get a little idea of why she is the way she is so I can understand her motivations. Um, yeah. I think she can come back. It's not like I... Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. She can totally her. come back. I, yeah. just want, I just want to see more of who she is. Right. I mean, it's... So I, I would have given like, it a three, I think, until the final okay. scene. And that final sequence bumped it up to a 3.5 for me. So I give three and a half. Okay. Ex- okay. Same as last week. So that's a 7.5. Yeah. Awesome. Pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah, I, 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 okay. I mean, I really did like this episode. It was fun. I love the, I love the pace of it. It was fun. I love the show, and I'm always excited to watch the next episode. Totally, it's hard to wait week by week, but I like, I like doing it this way because it gives us time to like think things over. Before right. Yeah, I, I really do love this show. It's great. <laughs> I'm yeah, I like that show too. But awesome. Well, as always, we want to remind everybody that um, you can like us on Facebook at This House of Cards Podcast. You can send us emails at This House of Cards Podcast at gmail.com. And you can comment and criticize us on iTunes as much as you'd like. Please go rate us. We very much appreciate that. Chris, where can people uh, hear more from you this week? I'm on Twitter at Chris Husted. It's Chris with a K. What about you, Tyler? I'm on Twitter at TJMoss11. Cool. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, Excited to watch next episode and talk to you soon. Later. See ya. I don't want to be your friend.